0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we are here each and every week on BYU Radio at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific to give you the very best in entertainment. And uh, one of the ways that we do that is we like to shine a spotlight on the news that is good in entertainment. Because we don't want to focus on the gossip, all of the bad stuff going on. Someone's always
1: getting married. Someone else is always getting divorced. But we want to focus on the news that just we want to talk about. Right. So,
0: you know, some people might consider this sad news. Others might consider it opening a new door. You know how one closes and another opens, Cole? Sure.
1: Sure. That's a cliche that may or may not be true. Maybe you don't
0: feel this way about what we're about to talk about, but it's no secret now it's been highly publicized that Spider-Man, his
1: parents are splitting up. Disney slash Marvel – And Sony used to have an agreement where they could get the kid on the weekends and Disney could have him in their movies. Um, But that deal is now up. They are negotiating a new one. Marvel came to the table with the big power and money that is Disney behind them, asked for a steep increase in the amount of box office sales. Sony said, nope, nope. And now it has blown into this large media rolling stone that cannot be stopped. Of people complaining and wanting Tom Holland back in the MCU and, oh, the world is coming down. And really, they're still negotiating.
0: Yeah. I mean, don't you think there's like an 11th hour opportunity that, you know, they can strike some sort of a deal somewhere down the line? I don't
1: even think we're at 11 o'clock yet. It's like six in the afternoon. The first wave of negotiations has ended. We're still talking.
0: All right. All right. So all is not lost people, especially when you consider uh Spider-Man Far From Home is being re-released over Labor Day weekend to give you an opportunity to catch 4 minutes of additional content. Maybe a week before it's on DVD anyway.
1: There was a bad spirited <laughs> response when Avengers Endgame did the same thing that they were just money grabbing. And now with all of the news around Spider-Man and the money grabbing that's going on behind the scenes between Sony and Disney, I can't imagine anyone going to see that. Like if, if, really? people, if people understand the idea of like supporting something with their dollars – then no one will go to see this because this is just supporting the weird little system that we're all complaining about on Twitter right now that, you know, Marvel and Sony can't get along because money's involved. If you go to see just four more dang minutes of a movie that was out months ago, then you're part of the problem. Whoa, Cole.
0: That was our editorial by Cole Wissinger. So it sounds like you're not going to be one of those people seeing it again for the four additional minutes. No. Wow. Even though it was one of your favorite movies of the year.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I loved it. I love Tom Holland. Love everything that Spider-Man does.
0: Anyway, this weekend, there's a couple of R-rated films, one of which Cole saw. And uh, I saw a PG-rated movie, one that uh, you may or may not have heard of. You've probably heard of the production company that has a hand in it. I Speaking of Sony, this is a part of Sony as well, Cole. It is focused on a basketball coach who really wants to have that winning season, right? To win that state championship. Well, unfortunately, there are some layoffs at their local manufacturer, which is causing a lot of his star players' families to have to move away to seek employment elsewhere. As happens. So they have to make layoffs at the school level, too, which means that this coach is going to have to pull double duty and also become the cross-country coach. He has no interest or skill in running, and yet uh, he does begrudgingly does it anyway, goes to tryouts, and lo and behold, there's only one person that is trying out for the team, and wouldn't you know it, she's got asthma. And the twists and turns continue to pile on in this occasionally inspiring film. It's probably not one of their better films that they've done. I do appreciate some of the really inspiring moments that get you thinking about... If it's not your own faith, it's it gets you to assess where you're at in life, how you're doing as a father, and how you're doing as a human being in general. So a lot of really good messages in this film. It's called Overcomer, and you can see it in theaters now. Lastly, Cole, I wanted to close up this CNN docu-series. By giving you a few more chances to answer some trivia questions.
1: So we left off last week with the 60s. If this is the last episode, are we doing, like, 50s through the silent era?
0: Well, they didn't – there was not, like, a specific range, but basically you get – everything from the 50s back. pre And they're, they're not calling it the 50s or the 40s. They're just calling it the Golden Age, which okay. gives you an idea of how Hollywood feels about its old movies.
1: Okay? They also saved the best for last. Right. So,
0: Cole, you would have appreciated the time that they spent talking about the universal horror films. <laughs> they talked about how this was a, a time for audiences to escape the Depression, you know? And uh, here are a few trivia questions for you, Cole. Can you name the first feature-length animated film?
1: Snow White and the Seven
0: Dwarves. That is correct, Cole.
1: 1939?
0: I'd have to look that up to confirm that, but you got the movie right. Who was the first African-American actress to win an Oscar?
1: The gal from Gone with the Wind. Can you name her? I should be able to. But Hattie I'm not McDaniel. Sure. Yeah. I know it started with an H.
0: Hattie McDaniel. Uh huh. Um, and what was considered the greatest year for film that ever was? We know your favorite year was 1999, but what was, on this special anyway, what was considered the greatest year for film ever?
1: I guess I spoiled it earlier by trying to guess when Snow White came out because I'm sure that they said 1939, which yeah. is when The Wizard of Oz, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Um, Gunga Din, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. They
0: all came out that year. That is correct, Cole. Now, this actress was the first actress to get five Best Actress nominations in a row. She was also considered to have won the first Consolation Oscar. (laughs) And she was considered the Meryl Streep of the pre-World War II period. We talked about her a couple weeks ago on the show in a different part of the show interesting I don't think I know Betty Davis oh Betty Davis the star of whatever (laughs) happened to baby Jane right for which she also got an Oscar nomination well there you have it they closed the book on the movies and uh, yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it and again it it goes to show you that Hollywood still holds a place in their heart for the older films that really got things going so there you have it. When we return here on Screen Cleaning, we are going back to school, as so many kids and adults are doing these days. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna review some films about people doing just that, going back to school. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. We've had such a fantastic summer. I, last week on the show, we Cole and I shared some of the experiences that we had in high school. And uh, it's a little sad that summer's over, but uh, we're going to be discussing films that feature uh, people going back to school and not always in the way you think. You know, you think of people going back to school either to continue their education or going back after a, a, a fun summer. Not always the case. We have several different categories for going back to school in the movies. And we're going to cover five of them here on the show today. But it's very fitting that our first category be going to school for the first time. So new kid in class. Technically, it's not going back to school because they're going to the school uh, for the first time. But we've got a couple of films here that we're pretty passionate about. Uh, I'm I'm at least passion, uh, passionate about one of them. And the film I want to talk about first is Wonder. This was a big hit when it came out uh, last year. This is a film that, you know, was never going to win any awards or things like that, although it was nominated for Best Makeup.
1: And based on an award-winning novel, though, for middle-grade audience.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it was a film that had such a positive message that the word of mouth was amazing, and it made a ton of money. And rightly so, because it does have a positive message. It's the story of this young boy who has these facial deformities as the result of all these surgeries that he's had over his short life. And... It tells this story from three different perspectives. You get it from his perspective, you get it from his sister's perspective, and you get it from one of his friend's perspectives. I really enjoy actually the sister's perspective of this story because you you get to see the effects on her life of having a brother that has – These deformities that that people make fun of, that people, you know, refuse to look at him in the face. And, you know, sometimes her parents forget that she's around. They forget that she's a normal teenager that has normal teenager issues. And some of the issues that she experiences are that she goes to school and the person who was her best friend for her entire life is now hanging out with a new crowd that might be uh, considered a little more popular. So there are some pretty big issues in this movie, not just uh, from the perspective of somebody who has deformities and how that has an impact on his life, although there's certainly plenty to talk about in those regards, too, with bullying and trying to treat everybody the same, but also in the way not just not being mean to people, but not, you know, not pandering or not treating people like they're not very smart just because of, of an outward deformity that they have. I love the scene in the movie where the bully in the movie is asking him, "Oh, do you know what? Do you know what an eraser is?" And the kid, the kid just totally shows him up and shows how much smarter he is than the bully. I love that, but it gives you an idea of what it's like for somebody who's never been to a public school before to go for the first time and some of the
1: challenges that they run into. So from a storytelling perspective, I really enjoy that because when you're the new kid in a school, you already feel different. And so your movie takes a kid that is that looks very different Even more so than just being the new kid and makes them deal with all of that. Um, The movie I want to talk about does a similar theme, just slightly different. I want to talk about Sky High, Mm -hmm. which is a superhero story of a superhero high school where a bunch of kids of superheroes are testing out their powers for the first time as they manifest as they go to high school. But our hero has not had his powers come out yet. And so he's Mm. a new kid to a school, but he's also a little bit different as well. And so it's interesting that both of these movies, while they're examining what it means to be new and and how that can kind of lead to some bullying and some feelings of being an outcast, it also both of them amplify that by making the heroes of the stories different in additional ways that they have to deal with apart from just the school aspect that everyone else has to deal with. Most people going back to school don't have the physical deformities of Augie and Wonder, sure. or don't have a lack of superpowers like Will Stronghold and Sky High, but they are dealing with being a new kid. And so this is how movies can kind of show us in a really obvious way the challenges that everyone has to deal with, even not in the exact ways.
0: And I'm really glad you brought this film up, Cole, not just because my kids ask for it all the time. They really love this movie. Because it's fantastic. It's a perfect movie. It's also about expectations, too. I am the youngest child of seven kids. And so by the time I got to high school, all of the teachers that I had had all of my older siblings. Oh, another Simpson. And so, yeah, there were these expectations. And depending on, you know, which child for my family they associated me with, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. But for the most part... They thought, oh, I should expect good things from from this kid because the Simpsons. I've had all of the Simpsons and they've been good kids. So uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because the Kurt Russell character is kind of the main superhero of the movie. He and his wife are this of great world. duo, yeah. right? Of the world, and they're always solving the world's problems. And so, okay, here's Will Stronghold. He's going to have these amazing powers. He's going to do these great things. And at first, people are kind of underwhelmed because. He doesn't know what they are yet, like you said.
1: And at the end, it's a movie for kids in high school, but because the final line of the whole thing tells a story that, that any high schooler can relate to, where he says, um, Who would have known that my best friend would become my girlfriend, my girlfriend would become my archenemy, and my archenemy would become my best friend? Right. But hey. That's high school. Like, it's just such a simple high school movie that's constructed so well and tells deeper stories if you want to look at it. I love uh, both of these movies.
0: Sure. Cole, there are a lot of other movies that we could have talked about in this first category of of going to school for the first time. One that came to my mind was The Karate Kid when he moves across the country and is bullied there. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's got to deal with a lot of those new kid issues. So our next category is going back to school with your kid. Now, this is a really interesting category because it brings up all sorts of issues, obviously, that you could talk to your kids about. The first one being Life of the Party, which is just what was uh, it was recently released on DVD and I had the opportunity to see it. I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I've kind of been burnt out on Melissa McCarthy, as I think most people have, which I think is why it got such bad critic and audience ratings. But it made me laugh. It was probably too long. But while I was watching it, it made me think about my relationship with my mom. So if you're not familiar, first of all, with the the plot of Life of the Party, the very beginning of the film, Melissa McCarthy and her husband are dropping their only daughter off For her senior year of college, and before they even get home, in fact, right after they get back in the car, before they've even pulled away from the school, the husband says, I want a divorce. And, of course, Melissa McCarthy, you know, it's 20-plus years of marriage. It Mm -hmm. it breaks her world apart, right? And the way that he presents it to her is very callous and and hurtful. Um, She decides, you know what? I was this close to getting my uh, archaeology Degree, I had one year left, and because we had this child, I wasn't able to do it. So she decides she's going to go back to school. And of course, she chooses to go back to the same school that her daughter is currently attending. And so that presents some issues right off the bat. But to her daughter's credit, she actually... Uh, welcomes her with open arms eventually, and you know she's in this fraternity with her daughter, so there's a lot of partying going on, which is why it's a pretty strong PG-13. Um, but it made me think about my relationship with my mom because I think at one point or another, most kids could admit to being embarrassed by their association with their Your parents. Your old,
1: lame parents. Right. You know, and
0: one one instance I can think of is when my mom dropped me off at college. It wasn't my first time at college, but it was my first time going away for college. And we were shopping together in Walmart, and I was on one aisle, she was on another aisle looking for something else. And she was trying to get my attention. And this was back before I even had a cell phone and before she had a cell phone. And so how did she do that? Jeffrey! Jeffrey! And I was mortified. And,
1: yeah. You, I, it sounds slightly worse than even going up to the PA system and having them have to announce, <laughs> Jeffrey Simpson, your mother is waiting for you in the underwear aisle. Jeffrey
0: Simpson. Right. But, you know, I I got over that pretty quickly. I don't hold that over my mom. I barely remember it. But it's interesting because watching this movie and and reflecting back upon my relationship with my mother there are times when i was embarrassed by by something she did or because she had to go to a school event with me and i look back on those and i i wonder why why on earth was i so embarrassed everybody's got a mom everybody loves their mom so why is it why is there this fear of You know, I'm not going to be cool if I'm seen with my mom. My mom is super cool. She is the life of the party. She's very outgoing. She's very fun loving. She's very accepting and welcoming
1: And I don't know why I ever felt embarrassed by that. It's because when you are young, the lamest thing that anyone could do is care about something passionately. (laughs) When you're cool in high school, it means that you're just, ah, whatever. And parents care so much. The movie that I watched that fits this criteria is an extremely goofy movie. Uh Aha! And Mr. Goof, our hero Goofy, the father of Max just cares so much about his son and isn't afraid to show it, where Max wants to be this cool skateboarding kid that just wants to say, whatever, you know, I'm doing my own thing. And so it's it's Goofy's passion for his son that really becomes overbearing, and that's what causes the conflict in this one.
0: I have seen portions of an extremely Goofy movie. <laughs> so good. So the thing I appreciated most about Life of the Party is how accepting her daughter was of her mother, I liked it more than I thought I would, and i 'm so grateful that it made me look back upon my my memories of my mother and appreciate her a lot more than I did maybe at the time
1: that 's what that 's what both of these movies kind of go for in a weird kind of appreciation way um, of seeing what it 's like to go to school with your parents. An honorable mention could be back to the future. That's right. Where Michael J. Fox gets to go to school with his dad and mom, but not in like the embarrassed, oh, these old people are here with me, but in a he went back in time to see what they were like. And had to kiss his mom. Right. And (laughs) Goofy Movie ends with a concert. Christina Aguilera ends Life of the Party with a concert. Yep. And Back to the Future also ends with a concert. So if this is what you're doing, that's the formula. That's the format that you have to follow. You've
0: cracked the formula. and. You know, even in the other film that really, I think, sparked this whole conversation to begin with and does feature a dad going back to school with his son called Back to School. That also features a musical performance of Twist and Shout sung by Rodney Dangerfield himself. That film is also PG-13, but be ye warned, it is 80s PG-13, and that's all we'll say about that. So that is our second category, uh, going back with your kid. Now, before we go to our break, we want to introduce one more category, which is going back as your kid. Hmm. Now, this is a film as, as far as like going back to school has probably the most has the most to choose from. Right. But somehow we zeroed in on a couple of films that we're going to talk about. I am going to choose a film that has been done to death.
1: Well, I chose it for you because you had never seen this before, Jeffrey.
0: Well, I probably saw portions of it when I was a kid. And if I did see it in its entirety, it was as a kid.
1: because you still haven't seen the Far Superior remake.
0: I, I, I don't doubt it's Far Superior. <laughs> um, so I knew that Jodie Foster was in it. Okay, And we're talking, of course, about freaky friday
1: we're in the body swap portion of the program right
0: and this even in 1976 was not an original idea i found out later on that another film the film that you're going to talk about was actually a book from like the 1800s and then it had been made into a film several times before it got to the film that you're going to talk about so freaky friday involves this mother and daughter who think that life is so hard, you know, the mother just ha- does all these chores and nobody really appreciates her. And the daughter has is just running from one thing to the next at school and she's got to deal with all these boy issues and she's also kind of a tomboy. And so it just so happens at the same time, they say, I wish I could switch places. There's no like magical ball or crystal or anything that allows this to happen. It kind of just inexplicably happens as Jodie Foster is sitting in an ice cream parlor and as her mom is sitting in the kitchen or in the laundry room. And so they switch places, or the consciousness of Jodie Foster goes into her mother's body and the consciousness of the mother goes in, who's played. Wonderfully by Barbara Harris, goes into the body of Jodie Foster's character. So hilarity ensues and you get to see the mom in Jodie Foster's body trying to play field hockey and try to operate an electric typewriter. So things that are still very relevant today Yes, uh, I, using using a washer with an agitator in it.
1: All the things that I do in my
0: daily life. Things that you can you can relate to. And then you get to see uh, Jodie Foster in Barbara Harris's body playing baseball and having to do all these errands. And for some reason, all these people that they've hired out to do work in their home, like the gardener and the painter and the window washers and the dog walker, they all show up at the same exact time. To really show you how difficult the mom has it, even though that would never happen in real life where all these hired people come at the same time. Well, it's probably
1: because she forgot to schedule them because now it's Jodie Foster. The real mom would have scheduled it properly and wouldn't have had that problem.
0: So you also get to see uh, Jodie Foster struggle with how to like, oh, what's a checkbook? How do I write a check? Uh, So really, really relatable things, as we mentioned. What I like about this film is that... Uh, First of all, the acting is actually quite good. Jodie Foster is great playing an adult because I think she was kind of born mature. And Barbara Harris is fantastic playing this kid who looks like she's having a great time. She is a dead ringer for Madeline Kahn. I don't know if you're familiar with Madeline Kahn. From Clue and a few um, Mel Brooks movie fame. She is hilarious. But this is not Madeline Kahn. This is Barbara Harris, who is equally as funny in this role. But uh, she does have one of the creepier scenes in the movie where Jodie Foster's boy crush comes over. And so you get to see Barbara Harris flirting with this boy as Barbara Harris. Oh, that is a staple of the body swap movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, We're going to come back to this film in here uh, uh, just in a second. But I want you to talk about your film, another 80s classic. Well, this is not. Uh, Freaky Friday was not 80s, but this movie is from the 80s. Freaky
1: Friday preceded it, and then yes. right towards the mid to late 80s, we had a resurgence of the body swap <laughs> movie where every year some new one was coming out, and then it kind of hit a lull again before the Freaky Friday remake in the year 2000. I want to talk about Vice Versus, starring Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage. Great cast, Little, little though, right Freddy up Savage. Bed. Yeah. yeah. And The thing that I think is interesting now, it follows the same exact premise. The son doesn't appreciate what his dad does. Dad doesn't appreciate what his son does. I think Fred Savage is a little younger portraying than Jodie Foster. Um, Judge Reinhold doesn't have to go back to high school. He has to go back to early middle school, which as wonder showed us, middle school can be even rougher sometimes. (laughs) So there's a
0: film called Middle School Worst Years of My Life that is a perfect description it's terrifying. of terrifying. I've
1: yeah. I've seen a lot of horror movies in my day, but middle school movies scare me to death. Vice Versa though is interesting as opposed to Freaky Friday because it's a dad and a son, Freaky Friday is a mom and a daughter and I think both of these show off how sometimes little boys get along with their moms better and little girls can can get along with their dads. But both of these movies show the dynamic of getting along with that parent that you'll probably be someday and kind of gives them a heavier appreciation for what each other does.
0: And this one does feature some magical
1: object. It is a skull from the Orient that they touch at the same time and say, I wish I could switch places with you for just for one day or whatever it is. Yeah, it's not. It's a fortune cookie in the later Freaky Friday one. It can be all kinds of things that persuade in the community. Uh, spoof of body swap movies it is a dvd copy of freaky friday that they touch and swap bodies sure
0: (laughs) you know it's interesting because uh when in both freaky friday and vice versa when the adult and the kids switch places i i wish that i would have seen the actors acting more like the their counterpart actually acted instead of like what a caricature of that. Age group was yeah. Judge
1: Reinhold does a good kid impression. He's so likable in that movie. He's really, but it's not so much what Fred Savage was doing. It's just Judge Reinhold as a kid,
0: right? And then when the kid is speaking as an adult, all of a sudden they're speaking using all these big words, which aren't really too much in keeping with how the adult was speaking before they swapped bodies. But all of the leads in these films are are likable. And enjoyable in their own right. I actually prefer Vice Versa to the original Freaky Friday. But um, if we didn't have Freaky Friday, who knows? We may not have had Vice Versa. Now, other Or films... 18 Again or oh, 17 sure.
1: Again or the other Freaky Friday right.
0: or like Father Like
1: Son. I was surprised or... at
0: how many I stumbled across <laughs> as I was studying this. And uh, I shouldn't say study because I don't want to give off the impression that I spent too much time on this. But it's interesting A lot of people compare this movie to Big because they both came out the same year. However, Vice Versa came out first, came out before Big. There you go. Yes. So I mentioned I was going to circle back to Freaky Friday. And as we go to break, I thought it would be interesting – to get a little bit more of a modern perspective on what it would be like for a mother and a daughter to switch places. And so I interviewed a couple of experts on this very subject, and let's hear what they have to say. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about what it's like to be a kid and what you think it's like to be an adult. Are you ready?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: What kinds of things do you girls do on a daily basis?
2: We mostly um, go outside and play magnets, coloring, and we build forts. I like to ride with with my sister.
0: So it sounds like you have a lot of fun every day, right? Yeah. What kinds of things do you see your mom do?
2: Clean the kitchen. And make breakfast. She cleans... She makes her bed. She does her makeup.
0: So it sounds like you girls get to play all day and she has to work all day.
2: No, we work sometimes.
0: Do you think you have a harder life or do you think Mommy has a harder life?
2: Mommy has a harder life. Because she has to do mostly lots of cleaning more than us. Because they have to do... Hired stuff for the kids.
0: What do you think it would be like to switch places with your mom?
2: It would be so scary because I would have to drive a car.
0: If we told you that you had to switch with your mom, what kinds of things would you want to do that maybe you can't or don't do as a kid?
2: I wouldn't want to um, do so much chores. I wouldn't want to change your baby's bum. Mm, Do the dishes.
0: You want to do the dishes? Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known this all along. I would have been having you do the dishes every day. (laughs) Would you rather be a kid or an adult?
2: A kid. A kid. So I can play.
0: What is one thing that you would say to your mommy if she were here with us right now?
2: say I love you mommy. Oh back to school back to school to prove to dad that I'm not a fool I got my lunch packed up my boots tied tight I hope I don't get in a fight Oh, back to
0: school. Welcome back, back to Screen to Cleaning, and this is back our very special back to school edition, as you can hear from that clip from Billy Madison, a film that Cole said he doesn't think he laughed once during his viewing.
1: I'm sorry. I I did not grow up with Adam Sandler a part of my life like you did, Jeffrey. Sounds
0: like you need to go back to comedy school. Ooh. <laughs> sorry, that was a low blow. <laughs> For a movie that is kind of lowbrow. Anyway, I particularly enjoy it, but that's me. And I happen to think it's one of his three good movies. Before the break, we mentioned going back to school or going to school for the first time. We talked about going back with your kid. And we talked about movies that feature going back as your kid. uh, Freaky Friday and vice versa. With Judge Reinhold. What a great name. I could say that name all the do long day. I think that's day.
1: part of the reason why we decided to cover that movie is so you could say... Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. <laughs> and I love...
0: This is a little side note, but uh, if you want a great role from Judge Reinhold, take a look at Arrested Development where you get to see Judge Reinhold as a judge. The Honorable Judge Reinhold in a reality show that he they put on. It's very funny. Yes. Now we're going to be talking about going back to school as an adult. And the reason that it's just as an adult is because we decided not to make uh, undercover back to school its own category. Although my pick does feature an adult going back to school in an undercover capacity. And there are very various reasons for doing that, as we've learned from the movies. Uh, The reason that my protagonist goes back to school undercover is because he is a witness to a crime. He's a stockbroker and he's got two other friends that are going to be testifying against this client and they are both killed. So he, (gasps) as he's being pursued, decides, I'm going to look up my aunt and my cousin and then he decides to go back to school as this skunk-haired, hip kid. This is in the 80s, mind you. I think it was 87. Okay. And, you know, the funny thing is while we were watching it, my wife and I were saying, he looks just as old as the other kids, which is good because some of these other movies that that we could talk about aren't as believable. But he was just as believable as, an, as a high school senior in high school as some of these other kids. Now, the film is called Hiding Out. Right off the bat, I'm going to say that this movie should have stayed hidden. It's a movie Ooh. you have to dig a little deeper for and it's – you know how you're digging through the garbage. I don't personally dig through the garbage, but sometimes – You know how you do. You misplace something
2: mm-hmm. or
0: you're you're thinking maybe if I have to dig it through the garbage, maybe there's something in here that's a, a little golden nugget that I could put in my pocket and save for later. I don't dig through the trash. I want to make sure that that's uh, said once again. But if you did have to – This is one – this is like the rotten apple core that you throw off to the side that's not going to do you any good.
1: We make an effort in screen cleaning – you can't say we don't try – to find movies that everyone's not just talking about and see if they're uh, worth talking about. And sometimes they really are and other times they're not.
0: Right. And this is not. This is nothing that you will see in our panning for good segment. But there were some interesting things that could be brought up, like the impact that an older person could have on people younger than him. He immediately becomes very popular uh, because he questions his history teacher. And from then on out, kids like him. They gravitate toward him. They want him to run for office. In fact... They start his campaign for him, and the whole time he's like, I'm not running. I have no interest in that. I don't want to do it. I'm just going to walk away from this. But, you know, he – it doesn't – despite his best efforts, he can't get out of this race. But I do feel like sometimes things that children hear from adults might need to be taken with a grain of salt. What do you think about that, Cole?
1: I think that the movie that I watched also has a little scene where our main character is questioning what the teacher's telling him, questioning the motives of a little red dog in his kindergarten class when Billy Madison ah. is sitting there and everyone else falls asleep and he brings his adult opinion to this um, first grade level picture book. <laughs> okay. So- and it's very funny. It's not – It's not done with any kind of serious saying something in mind. Now, wait a minute. You said you didn't laugh once during this movie. Sorry. When I say it's very funny, (laughs) it's supposed to be funny. Supposed to be
0: funny. Okay. Um, What I like about this movie is it gives you a taste of what it might be like to go back to school as an adult and redo all of these grades over again. And they do it – it's kind of a funny premise because he has to go back to school – In order to to become the heir of his father's hospitality business. So
1: the concept for everyone like me that hadn't seen it before this week is that Adam Sandler is this adult man-child, as he is in every movie, that his father is very rich and paid his teachers off all the way through school and – Adam Sandler finds this out and says, no, I can do school. I can prove to you that I'm worthy of of taking over your um, estate, your business, as you're talking about. Uh, and so he goes back and gets two weeks for each class. Um, and so this 30-something-year-old man is in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, which is his favorite, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, et cetera.
0: You know, it's interesting. We recently did uh, an episode about – if we could have recast or or given this movie to a different director. I'm curious to know, because you mentioned that, you know, you're not a big fan of Adam Sandler in this movie. Who would you have liked to have seen in this role?
1: Yeah. Well, the... <laughs> I'm not an Adam Sandler fan, but I am a fan of dumb comedy, and Will Ferrell is normally at the starring role of the dumb comedies that I enjoy. I think seeing six, three, whatever goofy-looking Will Ferrell have to interact with kids in almost the same exact premise, I would probably like more just because I lean towards his comedy.
0: I might take issue with that choice just a little because you need somebody that can be funny but that can also be a bit of a jerk, you know, and i I think Will Ferrell is certainly more likable than Adam Sandler.
1: But the the moment, the only moment I think that I really enjoyed in Billy Madison is when he's on the field trip with these kids, and one of his little buddies he pees his pants, and so Adam Sandler runs over to to a water well. They're on a field trip to some old timey thing, and he splashes some water on his pants and comes and tries to convince the rest of the kids it's cool to pee your pants. And then that other kid gets to turn around and he gets to be cool like Adam Sandler because he peed his pants too. And it's just, that's the genuine moment. That's the cool thing where you realize, oh, Adam Sandler's not this weird jerk man child. He can have the childlike innocence as well as the childish antics. Uh, we should mention some honorable this mentions the for ca- this category. This is the category that comes with the most honorable mentions as well.
0: Well, in, the ter- in terms of uh, undercover going back to school – You've got, of course, Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger going
1: undercover as a kindergarten teacher. It's always funny to see really, really big dudes interact with really, really small children, which is also the funny premise behind The Pacifier, which isn't built around the school aspect. But Vin Diesel does have to conduct the school production of The Sound of Music for one of the kids that he's taken care of.
0: And to a much lesser degree, and I emphasize much, I'm not a huge fan of this film – You could mention Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore and uh, David Arquette. And uh, that one is not as good as Kindergarten Cop, let's just say. But if you're looking for an undercover high school movie, it's certainly better than Hiding Out, which, as I
1: mentioned, needed to remain hidden. And in just the generic normal adults going back to school, you also have Larry Crown. Educating Rita, High Time, and then Night School with Kevin Hart. So in our last category,
0: this is going back as a teacher. Now, this is a really interesting category because it made me think of a really important question surrounding this discussion. So first, let's mention what the movies are. Cole, what was your movie? I went back and watched The Dead Poets Society with teacher mr robin williams that's right one of my favorites but not one of cole's favorites uh why why are we talking about dead poet society in the going back as a teacher
1: so new teachers to a new school is the theme in both of them and robin williams is bringing his normal robin williams free-thinking antics to a very stuffy academic place Um, Which is a thread in yours as well. And it's the school that he happened to go to
0: when he was in school. That he
1: graduated from, yeah. Yeah. And so he gets to go back and he teaches an English class and the kids in his English class stumble upon his old yearbook that says that Robin Williams used to be a part of the Dead Poets Society. They ask him about it. He tells them about it and then they start their own Dead Poets Society and then sad things happen and it ends with a nice slow clap kind of moment. And yay!
0: Oh, Captain, my Captain! Yeah, I'm surprised I like this movie so much, considering I don't like poetry at all. And I <laughs> poetry
1: don't, plays a, a small part. Don't necessarily the like society. the
0: notion of being dead either. Anyway, that was yours. Mine, the film that I watched, or the film that I'm talking about, is another. It's it almost could have been in the undercover category as well, because. Uh, It stars Jack Black, who has been kicked out of his rock and roll band, doesn't have enough money to pay the rent, and his roommate— And the rent is way past due. Right. He is roommates with a substitute teacher, portrayed by Mike White, who also happened to write the movie School of Rock. And one day, his uh, roommate is out, and Jack Black's character gets— a phone call asking for Mr. Schneebly, which is his roommate's name. And he's like, oh, he's not here. Oh, really? Because we need him for the substitute teacher job and it pays X amount of dollars a week. And the light bulb goes off in his head. Why don't I pretend to be Ed Schneebly? And he changes his voice over the phone very quickly, shows up, decides I'm going to be the substitute teacher and I'm just going to sit here and do nothing and let the kids learn on their own. While the money comes in, he finds out very quickly. Wait a second! These kids are actually quite talented when it comes to music. I got kicked out of my band. There's this big band competition coming up. Why don't I recruit all these kids in the in the guise of learning to create this band with me, so that I can compete in this competition and and win this prize and You know, be able to pay my rent and not have to be a substitute teacher anymore, probably. And so somehow the antics in this movie are are a little uh, over the top. But and, you know, you can't really believe them. But a lot of these movies with these high concepts aren't all that believable. But it's very likable because you give an actor like Jack Black, who is very good at overacting, you let him do the one thing that he loves in the world, which is be a part of music, music, to play the guitar, to sing, and he's very good at it. Take one thing that somebody's very good at it and the one thing that they love and let them just run wild with it. You are going to have a very entertaining film that features quite a few good rock songs. I'm sure uh, Don Shaline is a big fan of this movie. And for a PG-13 movie, it is surprisingly tame. I almost feel good about showing this to my 4 and 6 year old it's that tame of a PG13 movie uh, a lot of good messages could be gleaned from this movie again going back to that idea of as an adult you can have a really positive impact on kids now he kind of has a roundabout way of having a positive impact on these kids you know cuz they they lie and they and they do some other shady things but in the end, he is able to open up his own rock and roll school where he teaches these kids how to play the guitar. And and so in the end, all is good and they don't have to do the shady, uh, deceit, deceitful things anymore. Uh, but this brings me back to the point that we wanted to make about how this movie made us think of teachers that had an impact on us in our lives as we were going to school. I thought of a few I thought of my third grade teacher who to this day, or my dad's retired, but she was insured by my dad for decades. And she had all of us Simpson kids in her class. She came to my wedding reception when I got married all those years later, and I'm friends with her on Facebook. Another one I thought of was a storytelling teacher that I had here at BYU who was not only just a good friend and... Someone who was very happy all the time and kind and had a good influence on me, she actually landed me some work. She referred me to some clients, and those were kind of my first big voiceover gigs that I ever had. And then another one, if you're looking at it from a more religious standpoint, I had a a religion teacher who encouraged me to do these things and stretched me to to read the scriptures and do those sorts of things, that had a huge impact on my life. That came at a very uh, important point in my life as really a turning point. So all three of these people had a huge impact on my life and I will be forever grateful for them.
1: I remember I had a teacher for precalculus and calculus that made me realize that teachers are people too. I think it was maybe the first time that I just saw a guy out at the bank that I should normal like you're not supposed to see teachers in their real life, but this was just that guy out being a normal person. And our senior year, his room got flooded. I I went to a very old high school and he had the corner room and he had a lot of personal effects, a lot of books that he had collected over the course of teaching, you know, math things that were in his room that all got destroyed by this flood. And He was so broken, and I remember he was a teacher, and he still taught us calculus that year. Wow. But— it just made me realize that these teachers – and I was a senior as you are when you have to take calculus in mm-hmm. high school. But I, I'm getting ready to be an adult myself and I'm realizing that these teachers that I looked up to and, and saw as like different from me were people too for the first time with him. And then I like that we got to talk about Mr. Jack Black, the music teacher, because my music teachers were the ones that I definitely associated with the most and they, they had the greatest – just real-world impact on my life. They taught me the music things, but they were also my friends, and they also um, were there for me to come to in a guidance counselor court sort of way that I didn't – I had the trust with them. They were really good teachers. Sure. And I
0: I would get in trouble if I didn't mention another teacher that I had, my drama teacher, who had a huge impact on my life. I'm still friends with him today. He's hired me to do some work for him. Uh, to teach some of his students. So that was cool. I got to teach some of his students about voiceovers. But uh, great guy, good friend, and I'm also Facebook friends with him too and chat with him every once in a while. Teachers can be fantastic. So there you have it. We wanted to give you some some options for movies to watch about going back to school, not just so that you could be entertained but also so that some of these questions – Could come up and you could actually have discussions with your children if you have children.
1: A a new school year is approaching. And so as we get ready, maybe some of your kids will be the new kid. Maybe they'll see new teachers in their hallways. Um, This can kind of give them perspectives on how to deal with the new world that's coming as summer closes.
0: Right. And as a parent, you know, from day to day, we will complain about things at home. And I'm sure we would rather not switch places with our kids if we had the opportunity because they go through through some really difficult things too, just different difficult things. And then also, if any time you can sit back and reflect upon somebody that's made a difference in your life, that's a good thing. But more than just think about it, maybe send them a note, say thanks. Thanks for having an impact on my life. That's going to do it for this segment. When we return, we're going to come back with our panning for good segment. We're not going to look for the garbage this time. We're actually going to find the good in entertainment. When we return, Oh, that's a sound we're not going to hear for much longer, Cole, because the summer is pretty
1: much over. Yeah, I spend the whole episode talking back to school and now we get to just this little glimpse of summer, talk about the summer movie box office, but it just it feels over now. I'm sad.
0: It you know, it's interesting cuz I think a couple weeks ago we saw the last film that we're going to see enter the top 10. For the summer,
1: right? But studios are still releasing films. Last week, number one at the box office was an R-rated kids movie. Um, <laughs> well, it's let's, R-rated, let's, featuring children. There you go. Not directed towards a kid audience. There you go. It won the weekend with twenty million dollars, twenty-one million dollars, which is the lowest debut for a number one movie. All year since The Upside, that was back in late January, early February, um, a time that I often call the dumping ground of movies. Turns out the end of summer is just as bad.
0: You know what, though? The Upside was a huge hit. The Upside had tremendous uh, staying, staying power. power. It was a great word-of-mouth movie. It kept making money week after week after week, and it made over $100 million. I saw it twice Because it in the had
1: no competition at the time. I Which think, is kind of a similar time that we're entering into. Right you know now. what
0: though? It's also a movie about friendship, and people like seeing movies about friendship. And I, you know, it was, it was not terribly well received by the critics, but obviously the audience loved it. So, Good
1: Boys might be about friendship. Mm, we don't know. We didn't see it.
0: <laughs> it's more of a raunchy romp than uh, the upside. Was, raunchy
1: sure. friendship. Yeah,
0: raunchy friendship. Yeah.
1: But next week, though, Jeffrey, is the time where we get to take a look back at all the good movies the summer gave us, all of the great moments and the times we had in theaters. We'll spend the entire episode focusing on this summer in movies and, of course, giving the final results of the little competition that we've had, guessing what the biggest box office earners of the summer will be. That's next week on Screen Cleaning.
0: Well, as you know, each and every show that we do, we like to end things off by doing a little panning for good. There's good in them there hills. When we pan for good on the show, we like to dig a little deeper to find that little tiny nugget of goodness that you might not be able to find elsewhere. And we've got one that actually ties into the film Overcomer. And we we already gave our review earlier on the show for Overcomer, but I wanted to highlight one of the actors from the film. His name is Cameron Arnett. He's 58 years old. And in the film, he plays a blind man who is suffering from uh, some severe diabetes, and he's made some really bad choices in his life. He's done some drugs. And it's interesting because this actor in real life made one really good choice that I think is just admirable. This is a man whose career was heading in the right direction. He was starting to get some big roles. And then right before he was going to sign a pretty big contract, the, uh, the people that were wanting him to sign the contract asked him, Hey, would you be willing to do some partial nudity? And this was a turning point in his life. He says that he had to make the decision, am I going to choose fame or am I going to choose Christ? And he chose the latter. And he said when he made that choice, he lost everything. His agents dropped him. Everybody left. Friends left. He said, I was left behind by the world and by everything that I had. And this is from an article that I found on Fox News and he says but the or it says but the actor's wife encouraged him years later to get back into the acting game this time he does projects that align with his faith and values and he says now I have the ability to be myself everywhere and not have to compromise anything That is fantastic. Those are the types of stories that we look for. And that is the entire reason we do this segment, Panning for Good, and really kind of the reason we do this show, Screen Cleaning, on BYU Radio. We're here each and every week, and you can listen to the show at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. You can download the podcast, download past episodes. We've got so many of them. And we'll be back here next week to give you the final countdown of the big summer movie box office report and see who's going to walk home with that big prize, Cole or me I say it's me, I say it'll be me join us next week, we'll see you then